1 John chapter 1. We're going to be looking today at verses 5 through 10. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you, as Rob mentioned last week, four people received Jesus, and something that we, amen, so good. <clears throat> and uh, something that we have committed to doing every week as, our, as we make our way through First John is that every week we're going to give a very clear and direct invitation for people to receive Jesus, to make a decision to follow him. And what we mean about that is that you can know Jesus and you can be known by Jesus. You can have a real and loving relationship with the God who made you. He already knows everything about you and he loves you. And the Bible, God's living and powerful word that we get to look at today, tells us exactly how that can happen. The Bible says that salvation occurs when a person believes upon Jesus. It starts by knowing who Jesus is, that he is the eternal God who became a living man. And then you trust in what Jesus did for you. You trust that Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross to save you from sin and death, which we sang about this morning. You trust that since he rose from the dead, he freely gives you the gift of eternal life. He conquered the grave, and therefore death has no hold on us. See, the gift of salvation happens in a person's life when they put their trust in Jesus, when they believe upon his name. And so knowing who Jesus is and believing in what he did for you as a sinner will save you. You can have fellowship with God, and what that means is you can have a common, shared relationship with Jesus. And with that fellowship with Jesus, what that gives you is it gives you fellowship with the Father and with the Spirit. You fellowship with God Almighty, who is God in three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Not only that, but you get to have fellowship with us amongst fellow believers where we share this fellowship with one another. And as we said last week, to see four people to join this family last week, there is no greater joy than to have that, right? It's amazing. We've been rejoicing. I, I've been rejoicing all week about it. And, and you know, verse 4 of 1 John chapter 1, Paul, or not Paul, John said he wrote this letter so that our joy would be complete. And nothing can bring about greater joy either in heaven or on earth than when a sinner repents and trusts in Jesus. And so that's why every week we're going to give clear opportunities for people to come out of darkness and into light, for them to come into true fellowship with God so that the joy of the Lord would spread throughout this church, that the joy of God would spread throughout this region, and that we would see many people come to call upon the name of Jesus. Are, are you about that, church? Are we about that? Amen? Yeah. If you're here this week and last week you boldly raised your hand to declare that I've received Jesus, if you're here today, I, I didn't get to see, but is maybe Ginger, raise your hand if you're here today from last week. Okay. Well, you know what that means? We got to get them in fellowship. We got to get them in fellowship. Not at all 
diminishing the work that God did last week, but listen, God wants to continue to bring about his salvation in this church and, and that we get to be the witnesses of that truth. So my prayer is that we would come to that understanding that God has a heart for the lost. And this letter was written by John And it starts off with a very profound and beautiful declaration. John said that the eternal God who was from the beginning was made manifest, meaning that God became perfectly visible in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Therefore, because of Jesus, we get to know God clearly and without confusion. Do you know that? You get to know God clearly and without confusion. God is knowable, and he wants you to know him. That's why he became a man. And as Christians, we call this the incarnation, that nearly 2,000 years ago, God took on human flesh, and he dwelled here among us. And people like the Apostle John got to be eyewitnesses of his power and majesty. The apostles wrote down afterward what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had handled concerning the word of life. John was one of those people who got to see, hear, and touch God in Jesus. And to hear, see, and touch something is to know that something is real. And so John is saying to us, I know the real Jesus, and I am proclaiming him to you so that you can know God too. That's why John wrote this letter. That's why we're here today is because we want you to know God, and he is knowable. But what John was up against in his time, and what we are up against in our time, is that People don't want to know the real Jesus. You see, many people seem quite satisfied with just having a concept of God. They they don't want Jesus. They certainly don't want fellowship with him. And, And there are those who would prefer to keep Jesus at a distance rather than drawing near to him to have fellowship with him. People don't want to know the real Jesus. And so what they'll do is that many people will end up turning to a false Jesus or a false gospel or some other religion altogether, and they will reject God completely. And John was starting to see this kind of brokenness and this deception at the end of his ministry. John was about 90 years old when he wrote this letter. He'd seen Jesus, he walked with Jesus from a young man, and he'd walked with Jesus and see the church grow and, uh, and, and watching as thousands upon thousands of people were coming to know Jesus, and yet what he was seeing was that there was false teaching that was beginning to creep into the church. And what I talked about last week is John had already begun to see how Gnosticism, which really took off in the second century, John was still in the first century. He was about 90 years old. He saw that Gnosticism was beginning to take root in the church. And they were teaching something called docetism. See, Gnosticism is a dualism belief. And the main idea is that physical matter is evil. This flesh, this world, it's bad. And spiritual knowledge is good. The gnosis, the gnosis, what you can know in your mind and in your spirit, that is good. And so what they began to reason was, how is it that God who is spiritual, who is eternally good, how could he 
take on flesh. Because to take on flesh would be to take on mortal evil. And the Gnostics believed that for God to become a man, it would have been a corruption of his spiritual nature. And so what they did is they dismissed the incarnation of Jesus. The Gnostics believed that if Jesus became a man, then, then he couldn't be God. See, the problem is by dismissing the incarnation, by believing that Jesus only seemed to be a man, that he was some kind of phantom, is that they would not accept his flesh. They would not accept his humanity. They were happy to accept the divinity of Jesus, but listen, friends, there is nothing new under the sun. Gnosticism just takes on many different names today. Because either people will reject the humanity of Jesus and only believe in the divinity of Jesus, or they will accept the divinity of Jesus and, or they'll reject the divinity and only accept his humanity. Either way, you are rejecting the real Jesus. Because the real Jesus is complete in his humanity and complete in his divinity. We say this, that God is both fully God and fully man in Jesus. And if he is not that, then he cannot be the Savior. And if he is not the Savior, then we are still in our sins. You see how a problem arises there, that if we don't get Jesus, Jesus right, if, if we don't understand who he is and what he came to do for us at the cross, if we don't get that right, then we cannot have true fellowship with him, and this is a matter of eternal life and death. And so John is writing. Why is he writing to us? He's, he's writing so that we get Jesus right, that we know him. And not only that, but if we truly know Jesus, and if we say we have fellowship with God, then the conduct of our lives will be right before God. Not only getting Jesus right, knowing who he is and having that knowledge, but that it becomes a life-transforming knowledge. It's not just some personal secret knowledge, because see, what the Gnostics taught was that if our physical bodies are evil, and we only relate to God by the spirit and by this gnosis, then it doesn't really matter what you do in the body. The Gnostics said, go ahead. Live however you want to live in your body because what really matters to God is your spiritual knowledge, your personal secret gnosis. Is that a common belief today? Yeah. Yeah. But the Bible is very clear. Spiritual knowledge that does not bring life transformation will do nothing for you when you stand before God as a judge. The message of Jesus will change your life. It has to. And if you know Jesus, then you will live like Jesus, the man of righteousness. And if your belief does not change your behavior over time, then you might be believing some other message. And all that setup leads us into 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, where he says, This is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So John is giving us the message, the true message of Jesus, and we would do well to listen to it because 
This message can bring life transformation, as it should. If you receive it, if you believe upon Jesus, which I hope that if you haven't, you would do that today, that you would have a change occur. But first, I want you to see in verse 5 that this is not John's message. And this is certainly not Daniel Hendrickson's message. Look at verse 5. This is the message we heard from him. Who's him? Jesus. Remember that part of Jesus living here on the earth is that he had a voice. And that voice was heard. He went about various towns and villages throughout Israel, proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God. And John was one of the disciples who followed Jesus, the teacher, and heard from him as he proclaimed this message that is called the good news of the kingdom of God. And so John is saying, I heard this message from Jesus. And the verb tense of that ancient Greek word there that we translate heard is pretty remarkable. The idea is this. The message I heard from Jesus is still ringing in my ears. Isn't that beautiful? John, by the Holy Spirit, what he could do is that he could call to remembrance all that Jesus said and did. And he could recount and proclaim that message of Jesus with clarity and conviction. And John couldn't forget the message. John couldn't shake from his bones what he had heard Jesus say and what he demonstrated by the way that he lived, that it was true. It was still ringing in his ears long after Jesus had spoken them and had ascended back to heaven. So John is saying, this message is ringing in my ears. I remember it. And here's the part of the message that John wants to highlight for us in the second half of verse 5. Look at it. It says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You know, God is light. And I think we think we have a pretty good understanding of light, that thing we call light. And I'm not going to try to, you know, this is the point of the message where the preacher starts talking like he knows science really well, you know, goes into all the physics of light and everything like that. And I'm, I'm just not going to embarrass myself by doing that. Because here's what I understand. I know that you guys, many of you here, uh, are just smart cookies, like, you know light. You, you understand the physics of it. You get it. So I'm not even going to try to embarrass myself right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, this is what I know from Scripture. I'll, I'll stick there. I know that light is necessary for life, right? John knew this too. He said in the first chapter of his gospel, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John chapter 1, verse 4 says that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, are you picking up what John is putting down here? What he is saying is God is light. God is life. God is love. God is truth. You see, light and life and love and truth, they're not simply metaphorical ideas about God. When we talk about God is light, we're not saying that God is only somehow like these things. The Bible, in this mysterious way, says God is. 
God is light. Light is the very nature of God. Light is the essence of God. And John knows that Jesus is God, and John knows that God is light, and he has the words of Jesus still ringing in his ears to prove it. Jesus is God. And let me read from you the things that John heard Jesus say of how he is light in this world. And thankfully, John recorded them for us in his gospel. What I'm going to do here is we're going to take a little quick journey through the gospel of John. We're going to see all the places that talk about Jesus being light, starting with John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And listen to this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And then in John chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then John chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Hopefully you're picking up what Jesus is saying. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And lastly, John chapter 12, verse 44 to 46, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes in me not in me, but in him who sent me, that is the Father. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is the message that John received from Jesus, and he proclaims to us, and this message, all of those things that Jesus said to John that he had recorded was still ringing in John's ears and he could sum it up like this, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is the very simple truth of God. God is pure. God is holy. 
God is true. There is nothing impure. There is nothing defiled. There is nothing false in God. He is light, and in him there is no darkness, and that means no, not any darkness at all. And anyone who would say otherwise does not know God. God cannot be charged with any sin or any evil or any untruth. Because sin and evil and lies is darkness. And God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so what this means is that if you have a problem with God, the problem is not with God, the problem is with you. Contrast this with what the Bible says about a person that is apart from God person that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't confess Jesus. John 3 said that men loved darkness rather than light. People love to do their works in darkness. Why? So that no one will see them. The light has come, though, and the light is shining, but we hide ourselves from the light. Yet God sees everything because he is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so it's kind of vain for us to try to hide ourselves from God. Like why even try? If God is light, he sees everything. Everything is illuminated to him. You can't hide from God. He sees you, he knows you, and he wants you to come into the light. And he has made a way for that. The path is lit, and it leads to Jesus. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes people that are apart from God. In Ephesians 5.8, he says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So prior to knowing Jesus, we were darkness. And notice that it doesn't just say we were in darkness. It says we were darkness. Like, chew on that for a second. You were darkness prior to knowing Jesus. But the Bible says that when a sinner confesses their sins to Jesus, when they come into the light and walk in the light because God is light, then they come out of the kingdom of darkness. Rather than being blind to the light, rather than than not seeing that Jesus is shining upon them, they come out of darkness. But the Bible is very clear, and we, we know it. Let's not deny it. The Bible is very clear that those who remain apart from God, those who would refuse to see the light of Jesus, if those people will continue to walk in darkness, will remain and abide in that darkness and not come into the light, and if they die in that state, the Bible says that they will go to a place that is described as outer darkness. And because they do not trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, then they won't be in heaven and they will not see the lamb who is the light. There will be no light where they will be because they refused the light when God was shining it upon them. God is light. And if you are walking in darkness, see the light. See it. His name is Jesus. 
And Isaiah 9-2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. So listen, by God's nature, we understand that God does not change. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God cannot change. He is light, but we can change. Our nature can change. Do you realize that? Your nature can change today. We were darkness, but we can become light. We can become children of light. When we believe in Jesus, 2 Peter says, we become partakers of God's divine nature. We leave behind the old nature of darkness and we take on a new nature of light. And Paul says in Ephesians 5 eight, if that has happened to you, then walk as children of light. And John is now gonna say the same thing that Paul says. By starting out with God's nature, he's showing us how we can have a new nature in him and if we have a new nature, then we should walk in that nature. We start with God by believing in faith in him. And then we're told how to live. Don't, don't flip that. Don't flip that because that's religion, that's legalism. If you're trying to live so that you can see the light, if you're trying to do good work so you can get to the knowledge, that's not the gospel. The gospel is God has given us the knowledge that is the light of his son, and once you know him, then you will live for him. And so the question for us becomes, if God has made us children of light, are we walking in the light? Are we walking in fellowship with God? That's the question for us today. How's the fellowship going? How's the fellowship going? John has made it very clear who God is and who we are to be in him. Children of light. What should the conduct of our lives be? If God is light, then we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, which is children of light. In the first five verses of John were the litmus test of who Jesus is. Now the next five verses, five through 10, are the litmus test to see if you really have fellowship with God. Do you really know the light of the world? If we say we do, then as his followers, we're gonna walk in the light, right? Now the spotlight's on us. It's shining on us right now to ask the question with these four statements that John has written, do you know Jesus? Do you have fellowship with him? Are you walking in the light? Let's look at this first measure of fellowship in verses six through seven. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Then the second measure of fellowship is in verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Third measure of fellowship is in verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the last and fourth final measure of fellowship is in verse 10. If we say we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So God is light. And in God, there's no darkness at all. That's the truth about God, right? 
And if you've become a child of God, these statements right now are gonna be true about you. You ready for these four statements? If you have fellowship with God, you will walk in the light and not walk in darkness. If you have fellowship with God, you will know the truth about yourself. You're a sinner. Surprise. (laughs) Knowing that you're a sinner, if you confess your sin, God will forgive you so that you can continue to have fellowship with God and walk in the light. But if you deny that you're a sinner, if you really think that's a surprise to you, you are calling God a liar and his word is not in you, which means that you're in darkness and you do not have fellowship with God. So John's words flew in the face of everything that the Gnostics were trying to teach. It flies in the face of many of the things that people try to believe today, which is basically says, I can know God, I can have fellowship with God, but then I can live however I want to live. And if your lifestyle demonstrates that you are habitually walking in darkness, you lie and you do not practice the truth. If you are living as if it doesn't matter at all what you do in the flesh, because you think you have some sort of spiritual knowledge, you are being fooled. A life that has been changed by God will be changed. You will not be perfect, though. Let's get that very clear. Because no one can say that they have not sinned. John says that twice. You cannot say that you have not sinned. But if you are a child of the light, you will walk in the light because God is in the light. And if you walk in the light, you will have ongoing fellowship with God. And if you have ongoing fellowship with God, you have fellowship with other believers. And if you have fellowship with other believers, you're gonna sin because we all mess with each other. We're human and we sin against one another and we sin and have all these self-destructive patterns in our lives. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Again, these statements are the litmus test of whether or not you have fellowship with God. How direct are they? How black and white are they? How light and dark are they? They are very clear There should be no mistake about it, that we can have clarity about our fellowship with God. We can know that we know that we know that we know Jesus. If you're not sure about that, that's why John's writing. It's so that we can be assured of our salvation. So I pray that if you don't know, if you're not sure, if you're not secure in who you are in Jesus, that you would come to Jesus today and that his blood would cleanse you. And in a moment, I'm gonna give a, an opportunity for you to do that, to receive Jesus today as your savior. But before we do that, there's just a couple comments I need to make on these verses in this last section that are so powerful. They're powerful if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord, but they're also powerful for the believer in Christ who is walking in the light. Because here's the thing, we don't always do it perfectly, amen? We don't always do it perfectly. So. These are the words I want us to look at in the last section. It says, if we say, notice, if we say, meaning we are all included in this. John included himself in this. I include myself in this. And hopefully you would include yourself in this and that no one is excluded from the message of Jesus. 
This is not a secret message. This is for whosoever believes the gospel will save them. However, the message is exclusive. Let's let's be clear about that. The message is exclusive because Jesus is the only way for mankind to have eternal salvation. The gospel is for all. It is inclusive. It's it's, it's for everyone, and yet it is exclusive in that it can only come through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if we say in verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. Simply put is if you claim to be a believer, you claim to know Jesus, but you are living in hypocrisy, meaning that your beliefs and your behaviors do not match up. Your footprints give you away. You know where you've been you know how you walk. And if you've been walking in darkness, if you've steadily and habitually walked in darkness and you have resisted the light, you can say all day long, I know God. But if your behavior doesn't match, you are lying and you do not practice the truth. If Jesus has truly changed you by his death and resurrection, then you will be living a changed life. You will be walking a life. Walking, what does walking speak of? Walking is an active, habitual, persistent, purposeful direction of our lives. Doesn't mean that we won't be walking in the light and trip. We might stumble But to be walking in the light is walking in the light, and to be walking in darkness is to be walking in darkness. I'm not claiming that you have to be perfect. We're gonna get there right now, let's go there. Because you don't have to be perfect, but you should be walking in the light if you claim to have fellowship with him. Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again, don't misunderstand what John is saying. He's not saying you have to be perfect. If we say we have not sinned, we're delusional. (laughs) As we walk in the light, his blood cleanses us. Cleanses us. It's the active present tense. The problem is, is a lot of times we don't think of our salvation as we ought to. You realize that your salvation is past, present, and future? That you were justified when you believed upon Jesus, when you believed in the death and resurrection, of you were just of me, you were saved from the penalty of sin. Now that you walk in the light, you are being saved by Jesus. Meaning that there is this ongoing work of his blood cleansing us, his blood sanctifying us because we don't always get it right. And yet the trajectory of our life ought to be that we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. And of course we are not glorified yet. We will be saved from the presence of sin. There will be no sin in heaven. But until we're there, until we're in that place of glorification, we are being sanctified, which means we're in this family together and we're gonna mess it up at times. And so don't miss the end of verse seven that says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 
Again, don't miss that verb tense, cleanses us. It's not that he cleansed, which he has, he did when he justified it, but he cleanses us, and we are gradually being made to look more like Jesus. The other thing is, is that all sin, we've been cleansed from all sin, all means all in the Greek. So if you're coming here today and you're thinking that my sin, no, God can't cleanse that. No, you can be cleansed. Whatever you come here today with, however you have stumbled, or however you have been walking in the darkness, God can cleanse you today. Did the sun go down on your anger yesterday? He cleanses you. Did you drink a little too much over the weekend? He cleanses you. Have you been sleeping with somebody who is not your spouse? He cleanses you. Have you been living with this self-righteous attitude? You're your own self-made, amazing Christian. He cleanses you. Have you been stiff-arming God in your life? He cleanses you. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him, we're gonna turn from anger, drunkenness, sexual immorality, self-righteousness, self-dependence. We're not gonna habitually walk in those ways. Those are ways of darkness. We are of the light. So what we have to do is we have to get honest with God about our sin. We have to turn from our sin and receive the cleansing blood of Jesus because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. There is no one here today who doesn't need the cleansing blood of Jesus. Anyone here want to say they have no sin? Anyone believe that they don't need the death of Jesus to cleanse them? No, because none of us can say we are perfect. If you say you have no sin, then you haven't been hearing what God has been saying in his word. You have sin, and that makes you a sinner. Hopefully a redeemed sinner, right? Jesus saved us from the penalty of sin. He is saving us from the power of sin, and he will save us from the presence of sin. And as you go on in this light, you walk in the light because he is in the light. With that being said, what do we do as Christians if we sin? What do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. That final verse If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say, if we say with God, that's what confess means. It means to say the same thing that God says about sin. If we say with God, you know, God, you say this is a lie, so it's a lie. If God says this is bitter envy, then you say it's bitter envy. If God says this is sexual immorality, you say, yes, it is sexual immorality. Agree with God with what it is. To have fellowship with God means you share all things with him, meaning you share the common view of what sin is. And you can search the word of God. You can try to find all the places it's your sin there. You know, there's lists of sin in the Bible. Anger is sin, drunkenness is sin, self-righteousness, pride, lust, adultery, greed, envy. And, and we could try to go through the lists of sins in the Bible today as so to try to land one on you. Just, oh, yes, greed, gotcha. But here's the thing. You know your sin. I know my sin. I'm a sinner. 
I sin all the time. If I say that I have not sinned, I'm crazy. And so are you. We have sinned. And so if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful because he cannot deny himself. He is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He is just. So the penalty of sin was dealt with by Jesus on the cross. And because he's faithful and just, he will forgive us when we come to him and we're honest with him. Just be honest with God. Bring the real you to the real Jesus. That's all he's looking for. All that sin is, is living in self-destructive ways. And God has a plan for you to flourish. God has a plan for you to live life abundantly and eternally. And the problem is, is that we think God is just a cosmic killjoy. We think that if we come to God and we confess our sins to him, he's gonna take away all our fun. Everything I enjoy, everything I have fun doing, God's gonna take it away. I'm gonna live this boring, miserable existence. Oh, goodness, that's a lie. If you come to God and you confess your sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And there's nothing better to walk in the cleansing blood of Jesus. There's nothing better than to walk in the light because you will walk in abundance. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So as we end, if you wanna keep faking it till you make it, go for it. I'm not gonna do that. Fake it till you make it. No, be real. Be real with God. Don't pretend like you haven't sinned. Don't be a liar and don't make God a liar. You know your sin, and if you've become aware of any unconfessed sin in your life, then confess it to God. Say with God, this is sin, and I'm done with it. I receive your forgiveness. And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Good works won't forgive your sins. Time past won't forgive your sins. You, you forgetting about your sins isn't gonna forgive your sins. You saying your sin is not sin won't forgive sins. You know, we've, we've done a pretty good job at redefining things. You know, somebody else saying your sin is not sin won't forgive your sins. Can't recategorize. Agree with God. If you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and the word of God and God has shined a light upon you today, say it is so, say it is sin and come to him for forgiveness and cleansing, amen? Amen. The worship band can come on up. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment in this present time as you are sanctifying us, that we are being made to look more like you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that... You are faithful. You are just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, thank you that you've been shining the light of your word. The path is lit and it leads to Jesus. So I pray people would see it and they walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right now, I...
said that I would give an opportunity for anyone who has not yet made a commitment of faith to Jesus. You haven't said, you know, I want to come into the light. You know where you've been. You know how you've been living. And you want to come to Jesus today. And you want to make him your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, if you want to come out of darkness and into light, God has been drawing you. He's been speaking to you. And if that's you today, don't be confused about who Jesus is. Second Corinthians says that if, if, if you're not seeing this yet, the Second Corinthians says that the minds of unbelievers are being blinded by the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? It is Satan and he is the ruler over the darkness. He is blinding the minds of unbelievers because he's trying to keep people from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You have heard the gospel today. It is that you are a sinner and God has made a way for you to be reconciled to him. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And in order to come out of darkness and into light, you have to come through Jesus. And if you wanna come to Jesus today and say, Jesus, I know where I've been, I know how I've lived, I have sinned against the God of heaven and earth. I need your forgiveness. Will you cleanse me with your blood? Will you forgive me of my sins? And may I walk in the light as you are in the light. And if that's you today and you're sensing God drawing you, 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 you just feel it and you know it. The spotlight is shining upon you. God wants you to know him and you wanna know God. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. So if we say we have fellowship with him, let us walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen, church? If you are a believer today, if it's been a while since you've confessed before the Lord and you've come up with this whole scheme of how you're gonna just kind of, you know, let your sin just, you know, if I go like a month without doing it, then I'm good. Or, ah, oh God, as, at least I'm not as bad as that person. We've made out this whole way of, I'm, I'm not a murderer, <laughs> but, oh, I have hatred in my heart. Ah, oh, I haven't committed adultery, but you lust with your eyes. Again, I'm not gonna try to go through all the sins and land one on you. You know your sin bring it into the light. God has shined his light upon us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of what? All unrighteousness. There's no sin that is too big for God. There's no sin that is too small for God. If it is sin, it is sin. Say it is so. Say with God, it is sin. Bring it to the light. Let's all stand up together. We're going to have our prayer team up here in the front to lead you in prayer. And here's the thing about confession is I actually discovered this recently with a group of guys as we were reading through this book is that confession should be made in the circle of offense. So if you've sinned against God and you've got that secret sin that you're holding on to and the only one who knows about it is you and God, 
just confess it there and God will forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But sometimes confessing our sins one to another is helpful because we bring it into the light and we have accountability and we have fellowship. And so if you want to confess to another person, you can do that today. God will bless that. It's not required, but I'll tell you, when you do it, there's great blessing in it. The Bible is very clear that if you are coming to the altar to worship, and as you're worshiping, you've realized, oh man, there's actually somebody in this room with me today that I have sinned against or has sinned against me. Before you come and bring your gift to the altar, go and first be reconciled to your brother or sister in Christ. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts and we allow unforgiveness to take its bitter root and just hang in there, we are to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Nothing will hold you back from experiencing fellowship in the light than bitter unforgiveness in your heart. So before you even think about bringing your gift to the altar, go first, be reconciled in fellowship with one another, amen? Amen, let's worship Jesus.